Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And we are about to embark on our annual tradition of previewing ASU's football schedule. But first, first, we have to talk about the Dodgers, World Series champions, demons exercised. That's right. That's right. And, And if you are so inclined, go back to our podcast from July 23rd. I know that because I listened to it earlier today. Where we both picked the Dodgers to win the World Series, and if I if I give myself just a touch of credit, I picked Dodgers over Rays. Yeah. So uh, you know, lack of preparation time, it actually worked out for me this time. Yes, yeah, you're very smart. I've now, always said that about you. But skip the skip the NFL preview podcast where I picked the Cowboys to go to the Super Bowl because that is not looking good at all. But the baseball one looks good, uh, and and yeah, good good for the Dodgers. Uh, I know we're both. Uh, uh, you know, neither one of us necessarily, you know, would call the Dodgers our favorite team, but we like them, and and uh, we're both Kershaw fans. I know that, so it was uh, it was definitely nice to see them win and see him pitch well in getting that win and just put that whole story to bed, basically. Yeah, I mean, two wins in the series for Kershaw. Yeah. Um, baseball did the equivalent of the receiver tight roping down the sidelines into the end zone. Uh, they barely made it. I mean, literally by moments because of Justin Turner. Did they, did they make it to the end, but they got there. They got there. They got there in spite of a lot of, a lot of doubters, uh, back in, you know, June and July, they got there, they crowned a champion, um, and, and you know what? I mean, we, we talked before the season and I was listening to that, uh, to that podcast a little this morning to remember, you know, where it was that we said that. And, and, you know, we were both kind of making the point that, oh, this is such an unpredictable season. It really didn't turn out to be, um, it, you know, at least in terms of the postseason, the two best teams from each league got to the world series and the best team won. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's a fluky year with 60 games, but I don't think we got a fluky champion at all. No, I you know, going into the year, the Dodgers were the best team and you thought Bueller would be the ace, Kershaw mm-hmm. would see what could happen with his uh off season going to whatever, you know, the new the new thing for pitchers where you get right. your uh RPMs right. and, and right. you check right. on all of that stuff. But technology and all that, yeah, yeah. You know, but it worked and, and uh, you know, I'll be darned if the Mookie Betts trade didn't uh, do exactly what they wanted. Yeah, that yeah, dude was great. Did. Yeah, you you know another another one that you go back and read the you know the the narrative that was out there back in May and June. Oh, they're gonna they're gonna Mookie Betts never gonna play a game for them. They traded him for nothing. He's gonna get a full year and then he's gonna leave free agency and they'll never play. And well, he's gonna play for them for a long time. And uh, year one, he, he, you know, helps him win a World Series. So it was yeah. certainly a good trade. Ma- um, makes and, you the know, trade worth we, it right away. It does. We talked about, you know, the other L.A. team that won a title in the last month. The, the Lakers got Anthony Davis. And, you know, we'll see how the Pelicans pieces work out and all of that. But, you know, hey, if you if you make a trade for a big ticket item and you win a championship in the immediate aftermath, I, to me, I think, you know, that, that puts to bed any future notion that that wasn't a good trade. Um, I've said it about the Cubs. You know, they, they traded um, Glaber Torres as part of the package to get a role with Chapman. And certainly Glaber Torres looks like a pretty good player. Chapman's not there anymore. But without Chapman, they don't win the 2016 World Series. So it was a worthy trade. And, 
you know, in the case of Davis and Betts, I mean, Davis hasn't re-signed, but everybody assumes he will. Betts has. Mm-hmm. Um, not only do you win a championship right away, but then you've got that guy, you know, probably long term. So it was the right move for both teams, and and LA's got a couple championships to celebrate. Yeah, um, I'm happy. But very happy for Kershaw. I mean, yeah. that, that was the main thing I took from it. Uh, happy for Dave Roberts. I, I you know, I, I've, I've, you know, used Dave Roberts as a punching bag a few times in the last few years. Other people have done it even more so. But good for him. Uh, little little side note. Happy for Mark Pryor, their pitching coach. Yeah, got he that gets ring. a World Series ring. Yes, uh, a guy who, you know, uh, if things had transpired maybe just a little bit differently, might have got one in two thousand three or two thousand four as a player, but didn't work out. Um, but you know, I'm I'm happy to see he's got a second act in baseball and and got himself a World Series ring to show for it now, and maybe maybe more to come. But hey, he's got one. And if you were thinking, oh no. Dave Roberts is no longer going to be the the coach who I can say, oh, what we, what was with this decision or that decision? Yeah. Thank goodness Kevin Cash was there to just step right in <laughs> and immediately. Well, and, and so I mean, it's it's a, obviously it's an easy decision to criticize given what happened. Yeah, and and I'm not saying I loved it, but you know, it's funny because you and I talked about this, I believe, last week or a week before we were talking baseball and. Uh, well, I guess it wasn't last week. Last week we did our Saturday Night Live. But we talked about the changes in baseball and the changes with starting pitching. And this was a perfect example. Like, you know, I, this is what they did all year. It, did yeah. it work in game six? It didn't. It didn't. Yeah. But, um, this but they is how won they, 40 you know, games. <laughs> they did. And they got to the World Series, you know. And, and this is how they built their team. And, um, you know... I, this this takes us down maybe another road, but you know I I'm okay with criticism of it, but I believe that you know, and I like John Smoltz. I liked him as a player. Um, I like that post game show they had with A Rod and Ortiz and all that. But man, some of these older baseball guys, it's it's as though they hate the current product, and I I don't think that's a good thing. You know, I mean, it's okay to be critical of, of decisions, but you listen to A Rod, you listen to John Smoltz, and you think. Why are you doing this job if you hate baseball so much? And yeah. that's how it came across sometimes, especially Smoltz. Like, if you hate it that much, give that job to somebody else. The game has yeah. changed from when John Smoltz pitched, and and it's not going back just because he's unhappy about it. Yeah, and look, there are still guys who do it, but the the reason why all these teams make this decision is the numbers bear it out. We, right. I mean, we always anecdotally said well guys are always worse the third time through the order right. well now we right. know that they are markedly worse yeah even the, yeah. Even the second I mean, the, time the through genie the order. is the genie's out of the bottle when it comes to starting pitching and and when we talked about this before i made the comparison to three-point shooting in basketball and it's the same thing like there's there's a mentality change that i don't need my starting pitcher to give me seven eight innings anymore it's just you don't see that um I mean, even as good as Walker Bueller was in game, what was that, game three? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he only went six innings. And he was really good. Yeah. But, you know, like that's that's about what you get from a starter now. And you're happy with it. Well, now, I mean, it, it, you the know, thing uh, is we, we're in a system, and I think rightly so, where you play the odds. That's especially uh-huh. in a sport like baseball. Look, football's a little different. There's some gut feel to football. Sure. That doesn't sure. exist because it's a one-off. But in baseball, you keep doing these things. It's like the shift. The shift uh-huh. works. Now, uh-huh. 
Mm-hmm. There are going to be times where a guy's late on a fastball and he slaps it the other way. Right, right. <laughs> but, or, or a ball goes right to the shortstop position, but the shortstop's behind second base. And, and yeah, I mean, the, the, the old fogies like Mike Wilbon will, will watch that and say, see, this is why you shouldn't shift. That would have been an out. True. But then there's a lot of times where the ball is hit directly up the middle. And when we were, you know, when we were kids, that was base hit. Mm-hmm. And because of the shift, you've got the second baseman there, you've got the shortstop, whatever. And it turns into a double play. And you think, man, shouldn't that have been a hit? Well, no, <laughs> you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I don't, I, I'm, I'm conflicted on it. I mean, there are certain things. I, you know, we've talked about it, and I, I wax poetic about you know when I was a kid, and and you know, starting pitchers mattered and all of that, and I, and that doesn't feel that way anymore. But just because I don't like it doesn't mean it's changing or it's going back. It's, yeah. it's not. Well, you know, you know, we want we want the things to be like our youth, but we also right. want our team to win. Like it'd be different if right. it was if it was the Brewers and they were doing these things and everyone's getting annoyed by the antics, sure. you know, or whatever, but they're winning. I'd be like, yeah, whatever. It's it's and the why Rays won. I mean, yeah. the Rays won a lot. Now though, they didn't win the big prize. Yeah, and, but it's like you know, being okay, a, but... a Pistons fan, or you know, right. it's like. It's boring. It's a bo- yes. it was a boring system that they ran, or a, you know, frankly, works. a Spurs fan in a, a non Spurs time. You for know, most of the years. I mean, now the last Spurs title was not that way, but yeah, I mean, for for the late '90s, most of the 2000s, the Spurs played a a plodding style of basketball, a style that worked in that time. Now the rules have changed since, and you can't play that way anymore. And that's mm-hmm. why the 2014 team that won the title is so different yeah, because they it, had to adapt. But it was but just it, one of those things where it's like, look, it wasn't flashy but right. it, it was what gave them the best chance to win it's right. why right. you know the herb sendek team from our yeah. first year was playing games in the 30s because exactly. because exactly you know you yeah. do what you need to do to win and and you know so i just like yeah i don't i don't see i mean yes you know i know john smoltz sits up there as a guy who you know he was a big time starter a hall of famer he, he closed for a few years too but mostly a starter and his mentality is, you know, starting pitcher in the playoffs, you should be ready to go nine innings, um, you know, certainly seven or eight easily, um, you know. And if John Smoltz wants to be a manager, he could manage his team that way. That's and not how a lot of these teams are running things. Well, and, and we're so going to get to see a team do that because the White Sox right. decided that we're not going to have any fun anymore. And Tony LaRusse is going to be know. there. I, I know, yeah. If you're yeah. if you were a Tim Anderson fan, or you enjoyed ball players looking like they had fun playing the game, I know. this was the worst news you could have. It was, it was. I, I you know, you know, I don't like Larusa, and, and then yeah, being part of me is, you know, like I'm a Cubs fan, but I've never really gotten into the whole like, oh, you got to hate the White Sox. They're in different leagues, you know, whatever. They don't really compete directly that much. Um, the White Sox had the feel of a team that was young and likable, and. You know, they they changed that real quick by hiring Tony Larusa in my mind, um, but yeah, I mean, well, you know, you're right. We'll get to see how that works, and I'm sure people like John Smoltz, like Mike Wilbon, like Alex Rodriguez, the people that I've heard mowing and and, and crying about, you know, the the Blake Snell move, they're happy. Oh, a guy like Tony Larusa, he's going to manage the game the way it should be managed. Okay, we'll see. Maybe so, um, but you know, I just like. The, the game is what it is, and if you, you know, especially, okay, it's, it's one thing for Wilbon to be on PTI, and okay, you know, that, that's the way it is, but, 
you know, if you're Major League Baseball, I don't really want John Smoltz on there basically telling me how great the game used to be when he played 20 years ago. Like, it's not 20 years ago. Um, you know, I'm not saying you got to love everything, but if you hate everything, don't do the job. And there was too much of that, I felt like, in the postseason, especially when I watched a lot of baseball. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, I don't know. I mean, I to get back to that decision, I don't know what you thought of it in the moment. I mean, certainly I thought, okay, this, you know, seems positive. But, and, and it did turn out positive for the Dodgers. But I can also see where the Rays are coming from that, hey, this is what you've done. You've got this bullpen. Trust them. They didn't deliver. But, you know, you, you dance with the girl you brought. And that's what they brought. Yeah, I, I I was of the mindset as a Dodgers fan, I'm like, well, I'm glad Snell's out of the game, but I, but I wasn't feeling particularly great that they were going to do anything off of the Rays' pen either. No, yeah. no. I mean, and that is, that is, it was the same in the Braves series, you know, because the Braves had all these bullpen arms, and, you know, you're watching those games early on, and they're working pitch counts, and you're thinking, is that good? Is that You know, that always used to be the, the 90s Yankees. That was their, you know, they were famous for, they worked pitch counts, they fouled pitches off, they got into your bullpen, then they took advantage. Well, now teams' bullpens are their strength, generally. They don't they don't emphasize starting pitching as much, and so is it as good to get into the bullpen? Now, in that game, it turned out to be, but, uh, you know, look at, look at the Dodgers in that game. I mean, the Dodgers' bullpen, admittedly, one of them is a regular starter, the guy who closed the game, but, you know, they went seven and a third innings and gave up uh, two singles. No walks, no runners in scoring position. That's how they won that game. Yeah, they scored two runs in the you know when Snell came out, but they won because their pitching was great after they pulled Gonsolin. Yeah, yeah, that that was that was a, a stroke of genius by Roberts. It didn't work with putting Gonsolin in there, and May was hit and miss. But yeah, I'll be darned yeah, if May it didn't work miss, with yeah. Urias. I mean, that was. Oh, man. Yeah. Was, I mean, what can you say, man? He got nine straight outs in the NLCS Game 7 out of the bullpen to close that, and seven straight outs in the World Series Game 6 to close that. I mean, that is that is as big time as big time gets. Didn't allow a base runner in either situation. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, they've got themselves a good a good pitcher. I mean, you know, we talk about starting pitching, and who knows, you know, how it, how it develops. But, boy, between, you know, Bueller – Urias, I think May, I think May just came across like he was, you know, it was his first time in a big time setting and he seemed a little edgy, um, but yeah. you know, he's got electric stuff. I mean, they've, they've got plenty of arms and plenty of young bats too, that, you know, this, this team should remain good. It's always dangerous to assume a team is going to go on and win a bunch of titles. That doesn't always happen, but mm. boy, they, they've got plenty in the tank to think this was not this was not their last hurrah necessarily. Uh, you know, feels like they're going to be a favorite for the next few years at least. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's a uh, a great development for them. That you know, the guys who they could lose this offseason, Turner, yeah. maybe Kike Hernandez. It's like, well, they they have Gavin Lux coming, right? And right. you know, Bellinger can play first, Muncie can play first. Yeah, uh, yeah. Know, yeah. Everyone yeah. can I mean, shift around, and if they get a DH, I mean, oh yeah, yeah no. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, you look at that group, you know, Smith, Betts, Seeger, Bellinger, they're all in their 20s. Uh, Muncie, I think, is 30. Uh, I mean, you know, it's it's a it's a solid group. 
But as I mentioned, Will Smith, a little little shout-out to our ASU guy, Austin Barnes, who made himself indispensable this year and started six of the, or four of the six World Series games because of his good defense behind the plate. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. When you are a team, and obviously Betts plays great defense, and, and they've got great yeah. defensive options elsewhere. Yeah. But yeah. when you're a team with that much offense, you can have a catcher who's just True. steady as she goes. True. True. Yeah. And admittedly, you know, the, the change this year of, 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 you know, Will Smith could DH, you could still get his bat in the lineup without necessarily having him to catch. And I, and I think they, they are high on Smith and, I, you know, he's, he's their catcher of the future, but, you know, good for Barnes and boy, I mean, Barnes connection with Kershaw probably keeps him on that roster. Yeah. Uh, you know, if nothing else, if you're, if you're the go-to guy for one of your main starters, that's going to keep you on the roster and. The fact that after the Game 4 debacle that included Smith not catching that ball, the fact they put in you know Barnes for Game 5 for Kershaw, obviously, but then for Game 6 as well, tells you that when it came down to it, they trusted him more to be the, you know, the defensive guy. And he came up big, had a home run in the series, had the, uh, the tag there on the steal at home with Margot. Uh, you know, good for him. And a, a heck of a story for a, a lightly recruited kid who was a second baseman coming into college, and they decided, let's see if he can catch. The fact that he's ended up a major league catcher for several years, played three World Series, pretty amazing. Got himself a ring. He did. He did. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, as you know, worked for those ASU baseball teams during his years, and he's the first one of all, you know, the teams I worked for to, to win a title. And if you'd asked me in June of 2010 to make a list, I, I probably would have listed 20 guys before I got to him. Um, you know, but good for him. Good for him. Very, very happy to see that. Uh, and Archie, a, a celebratory bark in the other room. That's right. That's so no loud. Doubt. Yes. And I'm still yes, hearing yes. it because that's just how it's going to be. Look, that's a, pro- right. a professional podcast, and a lot of people are listening to podcasts now, and a lot of people have thoughts. A professional podcast. Would probably figure out how to edit this back and undo Archie barking and have Matt That's make right. his final point about us. We're not doing that. We're <laughs> not right. going to well, do that. We're not going to lie to you. We I mean, you I know. To- I, I think he still has it. You could tell me. But at one point, Archie had a, an ASU collar. So I, oh, I think he that still was does. in support of Austin Barnes. Like, he heard me say a former devil, and he was like, hey, that's right. Go devils. Yeah. We, we need all the support we can get. Yes, he's wearing it right now. Okay, good. A good. nice maroon and gold collar. Very good. Very good. See, I, I mean, I don't, I don't believe in coincidence. Uh, you know, we started talking about an ASU guy, and and all of a sudden he made his presence felt. That, that's that's not coincidence to me. And since we're here, let's talk about ASU football. That's right. It's time. Oh, it's it is time. time. Nine days. ASU picked to finish second. In the South, behind their Week 1 opponent, USC, mm-hmm. our cross-regional game is against Cal at home in Week 2. Mm-hmm. The schedule is as follows. At USC, home to Cal. At Colorado, home to Utah, home to UCLA, at Arizona on a Friday. There mm-hmm. are no bye weeks. There are no extended weeks. There are no Thursday games. No. Let's get into it, because there's also no Pac-12 network games, which means we can actually watch them. A fantastic thing, especially since they're, you know, uh, for me at least, I know you're not here, but uh, there's no there's no option to attend the home game. So, hey, I'm very pleased they're all on regular TV. Yeah. 
And one aside about Pac-12 Network, they they let go Mike Yam, who got picked up by NFL Network, and, and I'm very happy for him. And I think that I think we're at the end of the Pac-12 Network. I think the Pac-12 Network might just be defunct now. It might be. It um, might be. And and that would not be the worst thing in the world as a fan. I mean, you're going to have to figure out what you're going to do with them. I mean, presumably a full season's worth of inventory for basketball and next year's football, um, you know, and, and what, you know, but yeah, uh, certainly this is a, uh, you know, with all the cuts they've made and the fact that, you know, now part of this is to satisfy their contracts, but the fact that they're putting all the games on there and nothing on Pac-12, that is certainly a positive as far as I'm concerned. And if it, if it leads to the dissolution of this Pac-12 network and maybe in the future a, a better attempt at one, that'd be fantastic. Or just sell it to ESPN or Fox. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think that would be a bad idea. They had that offer a couple years ago from ESPN and turned it down. Yeah. But who knows, yeah. All right, so week one at USC, 10 a.m. start, 9 a.m. Right. West Coast. Big noon kickoff on Fox, yes. Matt? I think this is a win. I, I do too. I'm all over the hype with the back seven. I, I don't Me too. I don't necessarily believe it in the non lole front four. Yeah, yeah. But I definitely believe it in the linebacking core and you know, Chase Lucas, Jack Jones, I, I I'm in. be good. Yeah. Just be good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean I, I think uh you know, look, it's it's on the road, but there's no there's no road feel. Uh, you know, I mean, okay, Colorado, that might be because of weather. We'll see. But the the USC game, the Arizona game, I mean, neither one of those should should be an excuse of like, oh, we're on the road. There's no fans, so who cares? You know, you're you're basically playing the game in a in a you know high school field or something like that. Uh, you know, it doesn't doesn't matter that it's on the road. Um, and, and I mean, we talked about USC a few weeks ago. I remain unconvinced that they are the favorites in this division. I just, you know, now granted they have played, I mean, they haven't done anything to be able to convince me, but, um, I, you know, I've read some things and I'm like, well, you know, why is everybody just handing them the, the, you know, South championship? I don't know. Now maybe December, you know, 15th, I'll have to sit here and say, boy, those people knew what they were talking about. USC proved me wrong. But to this point, I'm not overwhelmed. Yeah, I'm not either. Um, I think, I just think we have great players on both sides of the ball. And maybe, yeah. I, I, look, I, spoilers, I'm buying in to the Berkovicki year level hype on this. I, <laughs> I believe in this team. I believe I everything I'm seeing. I think they are great. I think they intend to be great. Uh, I do too. And I think uh, I if they win you. this game, they're going to be great. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it does feel like a tone setter, doesn't it? You know, like uh, you're, you're starting out with the team that is picked to, to win your division. It's, um, you know, they beat you last year, and it, it was a toss-up game, but Daniels didn't play. Um, and, and it feels like this is one where you go in and you set the tone. Um, and, and you announce right away that, you know, we're, we're here to be taken seriously. We're good enough to beat anybody on our schedule and we're going to show it right away. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think 
They set this up. I heard somebody say this, and I think it's true. They set this up to be a clear front runner and the clear team to challenge Oregon uh-huh. with the idea that th- this is how they can get hype because it's a short season. Yeah. When you when you can be telegraphing a matchup, sure. either USC sure. or us against Oregon. And be yeah. hyping it, and just keep talking yeah. and keep pumping out how great this combination is. True, true. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. Now, I will say, and I'm not saying this that I think it's going to be, you know, fixed or something, but um, the national narrative would be better if it's USC. I mean, I, you know, like I don't think there's much doubt if USC in that opening game beats us by three touchdowns, and Keaton Slovis looks great, and it's like, well, USC is back. That's going to get more notice than ASU, but I don't care. Uh, that you know, for me, I uh, I'm going to notice it either way, and I just I just think we're better. I do. Now, granted, you know, neither team has played. It's very very unusual. I mean, we've we've uh, I don't think in in all of our years at ASU started with a game anywhere near like this. I mean, I guess you could say A and M in what 2015, where we you know we faced a legit, but we've never started with a conference game. No, ever. I'm not sure we've ever done that in Pac-10 slash 12 history that we've opened up with a conference game. So it's, I mean, it's very unusual. You're, you know, normally when we talk about the USC game, you've got three, four, maybe seven, eight games in the books, and you can say, well, here's what we do well, here's what they do well. It's a total unknown. But I, I just, yeah, I agree with you. I believe in this team. I believe in the quarterback. I believe in the defense. Uh, I believe in the coaching. And I, you know, and I think. Um, Having the off season that we did compared to other teams' off seasons can only be an advantage. We got some spring ball in. We were able to have some some workouts and the like that other teams, certainly California teams, could not have. Um, and that can't hurt. Now, we'll see how much it helps, but I sure I sure don't think it hurts. No, I, there's a chance for consistency, and and we're putting yeah. in the other thing is we're putting in a new offense and a new defense. Right, right. I, and and so that you, offense, at the very least, should keep other teams guessing. You yeah. think, you know, they 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 don't have they can't go back and watch last year's offense and say, okay, this is what this team does now. Grant, okay, they can watch Boise State, but different personnel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so it, it's an unknown. Now that can be good and bad. I mean, it's an unknown for our players too. They haven't done it in the heat yet. They have, you know, they haven't done it with live defense yet. Um, and their first time to do it is going to be against USC. They don't get a you know NAU game to get things you know worked out. But neither does USC. You know, I mean that's the thing. Everybody's kind of in that same boat of you know you're not getting the soft opener. You're not playing San Jose State. You're not playing NAU. You're not playing UTSA. Uh, you know you you got to figure it out when the live bullets are flying because there's only a few games where that's going to happen. Yeah. And I feel fantastic about this team if we win this game me too Uh, you know frankly regardless of the manner of victory if we come out of this trip with a win all bets are off you know yeah because that's that is the period hardest period game period for us on the regular season schedule i agree yeah. yeah Yeah, I mean, at least in terms of uh, opponent slash location. Although, again, I you know the like, Colorado game I, is tricky. 
the Colorado game could be tricky, and certainly Utah is a good team, and and they've you know they've had our number the last couple of years, um, but they are replacing a lot. You know, I know we're not quite to them yet, but you know, like so, yeah, I I kind of agree that SC looks like the the most difficult game. Um, you know, but then in the next breath, I say, well, does location even matter? I mean, if we're playing Utah at home, does that matter? We don't we don't get much in the way of a home field advantage without you know our fans yeah. there. With you know, I mean, granted, yeah. we don't. I'm not saying ASU is you know. Uh, you know, Michigan or something like that, but it, but it still helps to have your fans there. We're not going to have them. I so, think uh, I think our home field advantage in the Utah game is not having to go to Salt not Lake City, having to go to Utah in bad weather. Uh, yeah, I mean that's probably true. Um, you know, we we do catch a break weather wise for the most part. That you know we're really only looking at one potentially bad weather game, and that's Colorado. We didn't get a trip to Washington or Washington State or Oregon or Oregon State. You know, that can't hurt. You're right. We don't go to Utah where things can be dicey. They were for us last time around when we played there last year. Uh, that was, you know, an ugly, ugly game. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, we'll uh, we'll see. But I, I agree. I think USC feels like it feels like a tone setter. It feels like if you win it, nothing's off limits for this year. And if you lose it, you're really behind the eight ball from the start. I also, you know, we're jumping around a little bit. I also think that having the Utah game, being at home after, you know, the Saturday after Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. is much better Mm -hmm. than traveling the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think I would agree with that too. So, you know, it's a, it's a weird year to do a season preview with only six games. Normally we kind of take this week to week and we look at, you know, but, uh, uh, I mean, it's gonna it's gonna be fast and furious. Uh, you know, from the start to the end of the regular season is what thirty five days, something like that. Yep, it's it is. Uh, I think that's exactly right. I think we have it thirty four because we play on yeah, Friday. That's true because we play on that Friday. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's a year that in our preview, I suppose. You know, um, we don't necessarily have to go week to week, but but let's let's do it. Uh, we we both got to win. Hopefully this won't look foolish right away, uh, you know. But we both got a starting one and zero, and then returning home for our home opener in front of zero fans against the Cal Golden Bears. I think this was a very good draw on the cross Me too. conference, Me and, too. and I think that not giving Oregon to us or USC is meant to protect all three schools. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a, an interesting thought, and you're probably right. Um, I, I mean, who does USC I, have? I don't I, even know. I'm, who they're, who they're. I'm assuming nefarious intentions. Okay, and, and you might not be wrong to do so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, I uh, I don't know how they determine that rotation, and I'm not really sure they've said how they determine that rotation. Um, so yeah, you you know, certainly plausible that that's the case. USC, by the way, gets Washington State at home. Okay, so that's certainly not a particularly tough one. Um, so yeah, they they you know if they if the powers that be do think that USC and ASU are the teams to beat in the South, and the media thought so, um, you know they uh, they certainly both got decent draws, home game. Um, you know now it, I'm sure that means USC goes to UCLA, which Maybe. isn't much of a trip, you know. But 
So, I mean, that in some ways, that was just a good break. But you get a home game against – now, Cal's a good team. Um, and, and if we were playing Cal in a normal year, I think we were supposed to, if I, mm-hmm. if I recall the original schedule. Um, yeah. At home, I think, from what I recall, it was going to be a home game. Um, I would be much more leery of it because I think they got a really good defense. Uh, you know, Wilcox is a good coach. They built a nice thing there. But the fact that, you know, again, I mean, just being realistic, they haven't been able to practice as a team much. Mm-hmm. And and so that can only be to our advantage. I mean, you know, it, it, it has to be, right? Uh, if, it's, if it's not, then what's the point of doing all these practices all year? Yeah. Look, I, I think that getting two California schools to open yeah. is about as lucky of a break scheduling-wise so as we too. were going to get. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, and, and Northern California has been even trickier with their regular. I mean, Stanford for a while didn't have permission to practice on their campus. They had to go to another county because Santa Clara County wouldn't give them permission to, to do it. So, uh, you know, and Cal, I know, I, I mean, I read just a couple weeks ago that Cal still couldn't practice as a full team. So yeah. that just, I mean, like, yeah, it, it cannot hurt. I think Cal's a good team, and I think if this had been a normal season, Cal might have been a, a dark horse pick to win the North because, you know, I think Oregon's got some questions and Washington's got some questions. And, I, you know, I think you could see them taking the next step, but I don't know that they're going to do it this year, maybe next year when they have more of a regular buildup. But this, it just seems like, you know, too tall a task. Yeah. Agreed. So I, I have 2-0 and o to start. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. And then that leads to the hardest road trip, weather-wise, you would mm-hmm. think. Um, you gotta hope for no snow. I, I don't know what yeah. Zach Hill's offense is gonna look like, but I gotta imagine no. it's gonna be designed to function better in dry weather than snowy weather. I would think. I mean, most <laughs> most offenses are, yeah, yeah. And and we get to face Colorado without Steven Montez for the first time since what, like 2005, something like that. I think it was our sophomore year of college. That sounds right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, his his 14 year Colorado career has come to an end. So I don't know who their quarterback's going to be, to be honest, because uh, the Stenstrom kid that was the backup, I think he left. Yeah. I have no idea who their quarterback is. But does it matter because they're not going to be any good? And their I mean, I don't think they're going to be. Are they? There's no Chenault. Like, no, um, no. Who did they get to be the coach? Now that I say that, Mel Tucker's gone. Who'd they hire? Uh, hold on, and I. Will... Oh, they hi- Oh, wait, it's coming to me. They hired Durrell, didn't they? Carl Durrell. I believe. Was completely out of left field because everybody thought it was going to be the enemy, but he turned it down, and then, then they hired. You're right. It Carl is Carl Durrell. Yeah, and yeah. he kept on uh, the same offensive coordinator. Did he? Chia okay. Verini. Or however you say. So I mean, Carl Durrell. Now, granted, uh, you know, again, I know it's uh, you know he's not playing the game, but that was one of the most uninspired. I guess that's why I forgot who it was for a sec. Yeah. Um, because man, what a what an uninspired hire! Hire a guy who was mediocre at best for UCLA a decade ago. Uh, you know, maybe he'll prove me wrong. Maybe he's going to be the Colorado version of the Pete Carroll hire, where everybody's going to laugh at him, and then ten years from now, be like, "Whoa, did they know what they were doing?" But uh, I'm not betting on that. Their quarterbacks, by the way, are Tyler Little. Okay, I remember that name. Or freshman Brendan Lewis, a dual threat, mm. true freshman recruit. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Also so, in the mix is senior Sam Neuer, who 
he switched positions, I think, but maybe he came back to quarter. He well, was a quarterback, but I think he switched to like tight end or something. For well, a while. and he had entered the transfer portal and then returned. So okay, okay. who knows okay. what that's going to be? Gotcha, but. gotcha. So yeah, I mean, uh, you know, obviously almost a complete unknown. No starts because my, I mean, we joke about it, but Montez was there for what seemed like forever. Um, I know he got hurt, I think, and missed part of the game. But Stenstrom came in uh, last year when they played USC. I remember. So almost no experience at quarterback. Um, and, and, you know, Colorado's one of those teams that if they didn't, what was it, three, four years ago when they won the division? Yeah. That stands out as a complete, you know, one-year fluke. Because outside of that, they've done almost nothing. Yeah. Well, everything worked out. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the stars mean, they, aligned. Everyone yeah. else was kind of bad. And they won, and and then didn't the next year they started like five and zero, and then they dropped seven in a row or something like that. Yeah. That was the year McIntyre got fired, I think, or maybe that was two years later. Um, you know, so they've really done very little since joining the conference. Um, and if it, I, you know, like I said, if it wasn't for that one year, I think it was twenty seventeen. I think it was the year that that um, you came down to see UCLA, if I remember right, mm-hmm. um, that they ended up winning the division. You know, without that, we'd probably look at them and say, ah, total pushover. But, you know, they they won that division, and they've given us some trouble. I mean, they beat us down here last year. Um, but you're right. You know, Montez is gone. Chenault is gone. You know, that game feels like one that if we get halfway decent weather, we should win without that much difficulty. Yeah. And maybe even win if we don't get halfway decent weather. I, I just feel like... Our defense is good, and that yeah. is enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're going to they're going to be breaking in a new quarterback. We're going yeah. to be having a back end with two senior corners, three junior linebackers, mm-hmm. and a senior and a junior at safety. Unless yeah. one of the Markham twins becomes a starter, right? Right. So. Right. I, I just feel like our defense in a game like this should be enough to dominate. I agree. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think this is a pretty well-rounded team. I, you know, there have been, obviously, we've, you know, we've been doing some of the yearly look-backs and in, in lead-up to this, and, you know, a lot of years going in, it's felt like, okay, we, we should be good on offense, but our defense is a big question, or vice versa. You know, we have pretty good defense, offense, ugh. Um this feels like one of those years, and there have been very many, that you looked at both sides of the ball and thought, we should be pretty good. You know, we got a returning starter quarterback. We got, you know, that always gives you more confidence in your offense. Good group mm-hmm. of receivers, I think. Good yeah. group of running backs. And then the defense, a lot of a lot of returning guys that we know. The offense, a little bit more like projection. We yeah. should be good. The defense, we got a lot of guys that we've seen. We've seen them do it. And they're going into year three, you know, of, of being a starter here for, for a lot of them. That gives you a lot of confidence. It certainly does for me. Yeah, I, I mean, when you talk about the offense and really the team, my my concern is not the running game. My concern is not the receiving core. It's, it's Jaden Daniels' health. If he's healthy, yeah. we're good. If he, if he misses a game, you know, Borget is not the guy. No, you know? I, I mean, I would agree. Yeah, the the backup situation is, uh, 
very scary, especially when you only have six games. You know, mm-hmm. so I mean, we, and no we, bye know, week. We, There's no getting no lucky week, exactly. on an injury. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you know, it's not like you can afford. I mean, last year, you know, we had that game that he missed, and Yellen came in, and he played fairly well. We almost, you know, we had a chance to win late. Um, you know, had a drive, you know, with the ball, and Yellen got picked there toward the end. Um, but, you know, you feel like in a season of 12, nine conference games, you know, okay, if your quarterback misses one game, you, know, you could probably survive it. Um, but, yeah, in a season of six, that seems less likely. And you're right. There's no bye week. There's no long week after a Thursday game or anything like that, um, you know, to, to be able to heal up. So, yeah. And, and, you know, so then, of course, keeping him healthy and also involves that offensive line, which – we're used to that as ASU fans being a question mark. Um, uh, you know, I think from the tone of what you say, and I can say it, I know this for myself, I'm banking on that coming up a positive. Yeah, well, uh, it's, you know, it, I'm, it, I'm, there's I'm depth the gamble there. there. The, the thing about there the is. line this year is there's Deesh and Haddis, and, and right. we assume that they're just going to be plug-and-play guys. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. you know, there's uh, Henderson... A right. Back, there's Cote back. Mm-hmm. Donovan West. Donovan West back, and then you've got uh, the. I'm blanking. Is it Ben Bray? Is that ben his Scott. name? Ben Scott. Ben Scott. Which I, I don't know if you. It was interesting. I read Haller's thing a couple of days ago. That seems to allude to the thought that Ben Scott might beat out Henderson for the tackle spot. Yeah. That's the first I'd heard of that, but like we've, you know, now I know Haller's not at practice like he has been in the past, but. We know enough about Haller that he's well plugged in. When he throws something out as a possibility, that tends to usually mean it's more than a possibility. It's a likelihood. Yeah. I think that'll be interesting. I wonder if that means Henderson's going to beat out somebody else at guard. Because they've, they've kind of been mixing and matching guards and tackles. Yeah. You know, yeah. Other, yeah. I mean, other than Cote, basically. Right. Everyone's right. I mean, flexible. That's, that's one of those that. You could interpret that possibility two different ways. You could interpret it that, boy, this Ben Scott kid is just too good to keep off the field. we got to get him in there. Or you could interpret it that Henderson has not progressed the way they hoped in year two. And and I don't know. Time will tell, I guess, which one that is, if it even happens. But, I mean, given, given that he, you know, it was a bumpy year last year, but he got a lot of reps. And I think the thought was, well, we've really got something there. When I read that, I was a little bit, unnerved like uh, didn't didn't we count on this guy being like a three-year foundational piece for us now after his bumpy freshman year and now he might not even be a starter i i didn't love hearing that yeah it does make you think that they jumped the gun maybe uh maybe. in anointing maybe. him earlier yeah but, yeah i mean I but think you know that, what that is one thing i like about this coaching staff yeah that there is it's it's a pro mentality all around, including, mm-hmm. yeah, I get it. You're a veteran. Sorry, this guy beat you out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's true. That's true. And and like I said, if if we, you know, if we see two or three games, and and again, I, we don't know for sure it's going to happen. But given that Haller said it, I think it seems likely. You know, if we see two or three games, and and you know, the line looks good, and Ben Scott's playing, you know, and you say, well, boy, that guy just earned it. What I hope, I hope it's that and not just, you know, boy, Henderson looks like he's totally overwhelmed and we'll go with Ben Scott because he looks average, uh, you know, but time will tell, I guess, which one is more likely. Yeah, the, the thing that I think 
gives me some comfort about all that's happened <laughs> is that they did just sort of hand dish the job and everyone yeah. everyone seems to have just been like oh yeah absolutely this guy's a mall yeah 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 i mean it, you know him and and had us both you know they they both from from the time they committed here it's been okay there's two of your starters and you know howard made the point it's true that they don't come in with a lot of starting experience they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're mostly inexperienced too. So, you know, we'll hope that they're up to the billing that, you know, okay, they, they, you know, for whatever reason, it just didn't work out at their previous destination, but they're going to give us, a, you know, even though they don't have a ton of experience, a little bit more veteran, they've, they've, you know, they've been around college football longer, um, that they'll give us the, the stability we need, um, you know, along with, you know, if it's West, he's, I mean, West appears to be pretty locked in. He's a returning starter. Um, you know, Co- Cody or Cote. Uh, I've knows? said it I mean, both been, ways. So. I don't know which one it is, and, and who knows how good he is. He hasn't played that much. Like, he, you know, when he, he's, he's been injured, he's been in and out, you know. So it's a lot of unknown with that position. And, and if it's, um, you know, I've used this analogy before when we talked basketball. I remember saying this a few years ago that it's like, you know, we have a few coin flips, and if the coin flips come up our way, we could be pretty good. That's how this offensive line feels. That, you know, if if this group comes together pretty good, I'm not saying they're going to be dominant. I don't think that's going to happen. But just, just decent. Uh, then the rest looks pretty good, and I think that's why we're both confident. Because you look at defensively, you look at the skill position, you look at the quarterback, and you say, why not? But we've seen teams undone by bad offensive lines. We just have to hope this isn't one. Yeah. I, I, I think the player, I know, uh, the three headed running back monster that came in the Juco transfer Mm -hmm. and the two guys Mm -hmm. is where a lot of focus is. The player I'm most excited about is, uh, Johnny Wilson. Seeing somebody who's six, eight play receiver. Yeah. Him him and the, uh, Bunkley Shelton, you know, I'm, I'm anxious to see both of them. Um, I know what one of the four is, is ineligible, right? Academically, yeah, Badger. Elijah Badger. Yeah. Um, you know, but we still have the, those two and, and Chad Johnson. Um, that you know, I'm anxious to see what they can do. Uh, and and yeah, I mean, they they all came in very highly regarded. Wilson was the highest regarded of the four. It seemed like. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm very curious to see them and. You know, hey, it's it's going to be a different looking offense. We don't have Brandon Ayuk, we don't have Kyle Williams. Um, and, you know, so we're going to need these guys to be able to step in because that's that's a lot of catches between those two. And then you throw in Eno Benjamin too, who was a big weapon in the passing game. Will will we miss Kyle or Kobe Williams more this year? Will you find yourself thinking, uh, I I wish we had that guy because I feel like I they are the Kyle. same. Uh, they they kind of are very similar, yeah. And I, I suppose if you told me if I could have my choice, which one we miss more, I'd say Kyle because that would mean that that Chase Lucas and Jack Jones are playing well at corner, and we're not thinking, boy, the reliability of Kobe Williams is missed. Mm-hmm. I fear it's going to be the opposite. <laughs> you know, that's that's kind of my my worry is that we're going to miss Kobe Williams more, and we're going to think, boy, we we lost the third. You know, when it comes to name recognition, probably the third of the three. But when it came to productivity, the best of the three, at least last year. Well, it was one of those things that you and I often talk about with football players who aren't the quarterback or the receiver. 
Mm-hmm. Or when you don't notice them, it probably means they're doing their job well. That's exactly it. I mean, and that's, you know, when we were just talking about the line and I mentioned Ben Scott, you know, that's really what I was thinking was, you know, after, let's say after the Colorado game, three games into the year, if we're not talking about, you know, a turnstile at tackle, that means he's doing pretty well. He's, you know, he's not getting penalties. He's not uh, jumping offside. He's not getting beat over and over. That's what you want. And you're right. I mean, with corners, a lot of times it's the same thing. Anybody on defense, many, many times. It's, you know, if, if we're not talking about, you know, there's a few exceptions. Merlin Robertson was one last year. But, you know, just do your job. Do it well. And, you know, then you look up after a few games and you say, boy, that guy's playing pretty well. But during the game, you don't necessarily think about it as much. Did uh, did you read Howler's Merlin Robertson? I did. I, this morning, yeah. That got me a little fired up. It uh, did me too, yeah. Yeah, now, I mean, admittedly, I, you know, we've been through this before with many guys, and, and so it's, you know, whenever I read those stories, I think, all right, let's see it. Let's see it. But I'm excited by it. I mean, we can't see it for nine days, so I'm going to be excited by it for now. But, you know, the, it's always... the difference to me with this yeah is we saw it before like we know it's in there that he can be explosive agreed agreed and and admittedly yes i read it and i thought all right and then the the cynical skeptical skeptical is probably the better word for this one the skeptical sports fan in me came out and said okay don't don't tell me show me um you know like uh, tell tell me you're gonna be as good as you were your freshman year fantastic because your freshman year was great show me you are, I'll be even more excited. But admittedly, like I said, we, we can't do that today. Um, and I was encouraged by what I read and, and, you know, some of the coaching, you know, comments and things like that. I'm like, okay, this, this feels good. Um, I just, you know, I hope that the reality matches what we read on paper or on our phones, wherever we read things now. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm I'm optimistic. I'll yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I think uh, you know he's a big piece of why both of us feel good about this defense. Is is you know a resurgent year for him? Yeah, he had a very good freshman year and he had a average sophomore year. I mean, and the article made that point. He wasn't bad last year. No, it's not like he stunk and got benched. He, but just, he just stopped being special. Impactful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were just there were too many games. And, and that's where I was going with that. You know, there were too many games last year where we never heard his name if you were watching or listening on the radio. And for a player like him and what he did in, you know, 2018, that's not good. You know, because every game in 2018, it felt like he, there was there was at least a few plays. He was in on a pass rush and forced an incompletion or a sack or a, or a fumble or, or, you know, or something. Or he had an interception or he had a sack himself or... You know, I mean, he was he was in the mix. Yeah, or and he break up routes over year, the middle. Nothing. Yeah. Yes, yes, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, that was just the difference last year. I remember about halfway through the year, we were talking, I can't remember after which game, but I think you mentioned him, and it kind of was like a light bulb clicked on for me that like, oh, yeah, where's he been? And, and, and that continued through the whole season, but it just wasn't enough impact. And if he could get back to the impact he had in 2018 – we should be a really solid defense given everything that's around him too. Yeah, I think so. I, I really believe that this will be good. So that means that we have a 3-0 and start. Yeah. 
We go to Thanksgiving. We come back. We take on the Utes at home. If I was going to pick a loss, this would be where I would put it. Yeah. But I'm picking a win. I'm not going to either. No, I, I, I think I think I see where we're going here, and I'm a little scared of it. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm picking a win as well. You have to be willing to speak it into existence, Matt. I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm, this is like one of those when you watch, you know, college game day and somebody's got the surprise pick and then everybody else picked the same thing. And they're like, oh, no. Uh, this, I, I, I feel as though I was headed for what I thought was a surprise, but I feel as though you're headed for the same result. Yeah. And that worries me just a little, that we're too confident as a collective group. But uh, I'm... I'm not going to run from it. I, I don't like ASU fans who run from expectations, and I'm not going to run from them now. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll find a way to put a little damper on, on this with a question I okay. have. Okay. Uh, how many games do you think we actually play? Oh, man, who knows? No. <laughs> like, who knows? I mean, because it, it's not even within our control. You know, I mean, it, it could be another team that can't play. One of the teams on our – I mean, look at Nebraska this week. Uh, you know, they, they're ready to play. They can't play. So, uh, who knows? I mean, I'm hoping that we get them all in, but can't be too confident about it. Yeah. I, I think, given what happened with the Badger game, teams are going to be extra cautious. Yeah. Now, you still can't stop a 19-year-old from being a 19-year-old. No, you can't. But I think between being on the West Coast with the way that at least three of the states, four, with Colorado, are handling it, it's really going to be the Arizona schools or Utah that I think you got to worry about. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? I mean, you know, it's it's uh, it's difficult to say, and I don't, I don't know. Um, but, you know, we'll just, we'll just see what happens. Um, you know, I think it's one of those that I've kind of operated under this throughout – that, you know, if the game is on the schedule, then we're playing it. And if something happens and we're not playing, I'll deal with that then, you know. But um, for right now, we've got six games scheduled, so I'm going to presume we play all six because a lot of teams have. And more teams than, than have not have been able to play their schedule as it was scheduled, at least, you know, the final version from around the country. Uh, some teams have had to postpone, whatever. But, you know, a lot of teams have been able to keep playing, and we'll, we'll hope we can too. Yeah. Uh, final home game, senior night for Frank Darby. Yes. Last last home game for Robertson, Butler, Jones, Lucas. Basically, so? basically the defense. Well, I mean, I, I think that if Robertson has the kind of year I'm expecting, yeah, you I know, can see the, that. The, the one thing about the article. Well, a couple things about the article Howler wrote that make me think that's what he's doing. One, father of two. Go yes. go get that money. <laughs> like I noticed that too. Sure, sure. Yeah. So, and, and, and no, I don't disagree with you about him. Um, Butler's Butler, the question. Know. Butler's undersized. Yeah, he is. He is. Uh, you know, Butler feels like a guy who's a good college player and might be a, you know, special teamer backup type in the NFL, maybe. Um you know, and I mean, the other factor we got to consider with anybody, if, if I'm right, tell me if I'm wrong, this year doesn't count, right? Right. For any eligibility. So that's any what they're senior, saying. I mean, let's say you're, let's say Frank Darby, and, and hopefully this isn't the case, but let's say Frank Darby has a disappointing year. 
just doesn't you know doesn't go well. If it is the case, let's say it's because the other guys are just so good, and Frank Darby gets hurt or something like that, he could come back theoretically, right? Yeah. Which is weird. I mean, it, it, you know, it's uh, and it doesn't count for anybody. Am I right? Like basically, everybody's eligibility is just frozen for a year. Is that correct? Yeah. The only thing that it counts towards is your post high school math for the draft. For the draft, right, right. But I mean, if you're a true freshman, there's no reason not to play year, everyone. Right, you know, because you like, and I, I mean, I'm jumping ahead, but so if you're a true freshman and you play every game this year, are you a sophomore next year, or is everybody just or is it, are they still considered freshmen? Does I, it matter? Maybe I, it doesn't matter. I don't know, but I don't know, and I don't, I don't know, know if either. it matters. I mean, I, I get it for seniors. Okay, a senior can come back, but if everybody's eligibility rolls over. Then, like, two years from now, the freshman that played this year, we're going to call them a sophomore, even though they played two years. Again, semantics, but not really. When, you, when you're when you a fan and you're like, okay, is this guy going to be back? Is he, Like, it's going to be confusing for a few years, I think. Yeah. Okay, but it's, it's going to be weird. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I assume that what will happen is – like the other part of that is you still have to be matriculating. Right. Right. So if you graduate so, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, it's just like, it's one of those things I've thought about. Cause you know, you, you follow this team, you follow other teams, maybe teams you don't like with players you don't like. And you think, okay, that guy's a junior. That means he'll be gone after next year. Like, is that true anymore? Or now could they be there two more years in that case? Yeah. I think it's I think it's that. Yeah, I think that it's up to the player, but the schools are all Yeah. Thank God Steven Montez is gone. He'd get another seven years at Colorado <laughs> if he was still there. Look, Steven Montez is a <laughs> CU buff Hall of Famer, and we all know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean he'd somehow work this to be eligible through twenty thirty. <laughs> He's gonna be the first player coach. Yes. The first forty-two-year-old senior. Yeah, he's gonna put Chris Winkie to shame. <laughs> but anyway, back at it. So UCLA game. What that, do you got? That's a win. That's a win. I think this so is too. A, I mean, I like think it the Bruins be. are gonna. Like, here's the thing: if we get to four and zero, there's no reason to think we shouldn't beat UCLA and Arizona. I agree. I agree. I mean, it's. Uh, it's not an altogether difficult finish either. I mean, we talked about getting what seems like a good draw for the Open with getting USC and Cal. Mm-hmm. You know, UCLA, I don't think they're very good. Uh, I mean, apparently they eat really well. I read that story this week about all the money that goes into their budget <laughs> the for, and for food. Yeah, you know, but that's great. But they they don't have great talent. And I just don't, I, I mean, are we? is history going to look back at the Chip Kelly years at Oregon and be like, man, what a fluke. Because that's kind of how it's feeling. Like, he went to the NFL, he failed. And he's not up to a good start at UCLA. I mean, are, are we going to look back at that and be like, wow, that guy, he had lightning in a bottle for a short time, but he never did anything after. I think what it's going to show is if you innovate, mm-hmm. there's a moment where you're ahead of the curve. And as long as you stay focused on that moment, you'll yeah. always look great. Yeah. 
and I believe that's what happened at Oregon. He I, was. I think you're probably right. He, he was, was doing things, things. You know, the idea of we're going to run more plays faster. Yeah. We're just going to outwork you. You're not going to be able yeah. to substitute. You know, and we're going. It, it just creates shots. We're going to. You know, yeah. he basically was the first guy to say we're going to run the spread. Mm-hmm. We're going to be a run-focused team, but we're going to have all athletes. So yes. everyone can be yes. everywhere, and we're not subbing. Yeah, yeah, and that incredibly fast tempo, which then in the years after he left Oregon, almost everybody started copying. Mm-hmm. And and there, and a lot of them are doing it with better players than what Oregon had. I mean, that, was, that was always the unique thing about those Oregon teams was they were so good. They'd win 10, 11 games every year. Then the draft would come, and they'd have no first round picks and no second round picks, and you know, and you'd look at it and you think, "Wow, you know, like there's there's not a lot of like otherworldly talent." They were just doing it with innovation and scheme and all of that, and, and yeah, I think you're right that that innovation is no longer innovation. Everybody's doing it, but if you're doing it at Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State, you're doing it with great players. And and now he's not getting the great players at UCLA. His recruiting has not been good at all. And the, the scheme advantage just isn't there because most of the conference has been doing the same thing now. Yeah, it's kind of like the old Boise teams. They yeah. Their play calling was so innovative Yeah, that it didn't matter. And you see, it, you see it in college basketball to some degree too where, you know, like Syracuse, we're going to run yes. our system. And if we run it yes. perfectly – and that was kind of Oregon. Look, we're going to run our system. The problem yeah. was, unlike Syracuse, everyone else looked at it and said, oh, that's a great idea. We're going to run your yes. system. Yes. And then the well, guy, even the yeah. off-the-field stuff. I mean, he was like, he was kind of a uh, you know, pioneer of the sports science and you know, the, mm-hmm. the what you ate and, and the GPS. And, and, and people caught up to that now. Well, you know, and also that's, that's the, not an edge anymore. The advantage that Nike gave them Kind of went away because look, they got everything first. The the right. the dozen of jersey combinations, right, the, right. the locker room that rivals an NFL team, the the separate weight room, the separate facility only True. for football players. But True. now that's just standard. It is. You know, it is. the, the only right. time yeah. where it doesn't happen is when you've got a school like Alabama that says, "Oh no, thank you, we're going to stick with our classic jersey." True. You know? True. Notre and Dame. And they can afford to do it because. They're Alabama, yeah, uh, you know, but yeah, yeah. And don't get me right. wrong; I mean, they still have all those other things—the separate they do. facilities. They do. The, yeah, they the... don't have the jerseys, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. I, you know, it's it's one of the reasons. I mean, we were in the coaching search time the same time UCLA hired uh, Chip Kelly, and I know a lot of people wanted Chip Kelly here, and I, you know, I remember thinking, like, do we do we want Chip Kelly here? And after two years, and it's only been two years, I know, but it. Uh, I kind of think, no, I, I think we did well to avoid that. Well, it's one of those things where I think you at least say, I wouldn't trade him now. No, no. I mean, because it just like, I, I mean, I remember thinking it and you're saying it now too, that, you know, like the, the advantage that he had there was no longer an advantage. And so unless he could continue to innovate and adapt and all of that, which he hasn't done, mm-hmm. you know, is he a genius? <laughs> They, I mean, 10 years ago, yeah, but, you know, 50 years ago, the option was a genius thing, and now no one does that, you know, I mean, so, like, you gotta, you gotta continue to stay ahead of the curve, and that's hard to do, especially when you're out of coaching, and he was out of coaching, 
you know, he was he was out of coaching. He was in the NFL for what three or four years before that. So you you lose that edge that you had. Yeah. Well, you the other thing with that is you can get rich on one great idea, which is sure. what he did. Yeah. But yeah. it's yeah. unclear that you can make that great idea last without the innovation. I, you know, we have innovation from, you know, or we think at least we have innovation from people like Lincoln Riley or right. the assistant right. coaches that get hired by Alabama. Right. But he didn't do that. He just decided we're going to run the same scheme. Yeah. And, and if, yeah. you know, the best players are going elsewhere. I mean, Tua would have been a great fit for that scheme. Jalen Hurts oh, would have yeah. been an even better fit for that scheme. Kyler Murray oh, would have yeah. been the best. None of those guys were going to look no, at. None of those guys are going to UCLA. You know? No, no, agreed. And, and and that's the other thing. And I mean, I remember having this trepidation too when when ASU was mentioned with Kelly. Is you know, yes, he had great success in Oregon, but he took over a really good program already. He took them to bigger heights. Yeah. Got them to a national championship game. No doubt, you know they, well, they. Mariota was a Heisman winner. They did things with him that they hadn't done, but they were very close before that. Mike Bellotti set the table pretty darn well, and and then he hired Kelly to be his offensive coordinator, and then he handed the job off to him. So he he didn't build the Oregon program. The Oregon program was already built. He no, just he pushed in- it to you know one rung higher. He inherited Whereas, a successful program. Yeah, yeah. Whereas UCLA and ASU. In you know 2018, when they were searching for coaches, and neither one was in that position. That's why they were searching for coaches most of the time. You know, when you hire a new coach, because you're struggling in some fashion. Um, and and I just wondered about his ability to build a program. And two years later, I I still do. Yeah. I and on the flip side, the questions about could Herm relate to kids today? Could yeah, Herm, he's done great. It, he really I mean, has. In a, in a way that I think is shocking, frankly. Yes, I agree. He, he's been I able agree. to I mean, recruit nationwide yeah, with all these yeah. people, uh, you know, at all positions. It's not like he's innovating and recruiting great offense and, and will just figure out the defense. Right. Like, they're getting guys on both sides of the ball. True. They're True. getting guys in the trenches. They, the most impressive thing to me, besides the breadth of where we're recruiting from, yeah. is – Lugan Bill had that plan, and and right. they talked about it all the time with him and Pierce and Herm. We got to get bigger, faster, stronger. We're just gonna get. We're gonna be bigger than everybody else. That's what we're gonna do. And I, I don't know how you felt. I was like, yeah, okay, great, but what you know that needs to translate because there are plenty of right. big guys like Bryce Schwab who, sure, sure, you know, sure, you're big, look good getting off the bus, but they can't play. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but they've gone out and they've just gotten bigger, stronger guys. Yeah, you know, the yeah, linebacking no, core to me is the perfect example. We talked about looking back, Mike Nixon, yes. Laiu Mokiola. <laughs> these are guys. Yes. Travis Gaithel. These guys were fine, good college players, right. solid. But we're looking at guys, like our good, solid college players, Darian Butler, and I'd take him, you know, six, you know, sure. every day of the week and twice sure. on Sunday over those guys. Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, there's, there's, uh, you know, that's a good point because so, so often, I mean, I, you know, I think of, of ASU basketball too with, with Herb. And it felt like pretty much every year with Herb after Harden left that we were always that little engine that could. And, and sometimes we were good. You know, we had some good teams, but 
We didn't have enough talent when it came right down to it. We had moxie, we had drive, we had intensity, we had overachievers, but we didn't have enough talent to win big. And and those names you mentioned are, are good examples. They were, they were good players. I mean, Mike Dixon was a very solid player, good college player, heart and soul of, of those teams. But when it came right down to it, he just wasn't as talented as, you know, LeGarrette Blunt, who he was trying to tackle. And and so, yeah, you, you, you need talent. I mean, that's that's the name of the game. Why is why are Clemson and Alabama and Ohio State the best three programs in the country right now? Because they get really good players. They coach them well. They pick the right guys, no doubt. But they got great pieces to work with, and we're doing better at getting those pieces to work with. Yeah, I mean, we're not. We're never going to be. I don't think. Yeah, I'd love to be. We're never going to be at that level. I'm not saying we're ever going to be Alabama, but if we can get more talent, then we can start winning bigger and then maybe someday you know in the future we can be that but yeah i mean i agree with you herb and and he surrounded himself with good people who've done a great job i mean uh, led by antonio pierce i think with his recruiting that you know we have we have related well when that i think was the big concern one of the big concerns about hiring herb is why are you going to hire a 60 plus year old coach to recruit better well he, he does relate well, and he's hired people who relate well. Yeah, I, and I do think that we've gone over this at great length, but I do think that is a critical piece of this is he plucked Antonio Pierce out of high school ball in California. Yeah, yeah. And that dude is so tapped in to that market, it's unreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's been significant and hopefully will continue to be significant. Um uh, you know, having him, I mean, more than anybody else. And now we've got, you know, what, what these, you know, Chris, Chris Hawkins, am I yeah. remembering the name right? Chris the Hawkins and Prentice Gill. Prentice Gill from Oregon, you know, I mean, so we're, we're getting people that are supposed to be great recruiters. Um, and, you know, time will tell as, as we've seen before, we've, we've had guys who were big time recruits that not, didn't turn out that good and vice versa. We've had the Taylor Kellys of the world who were not big-time recruits and, and left ASU with a, with a really strong legacy. But, you know, Taylor Kelly, I mean, I know it's a different position, but it's it's a it's a similar example. Taylor Kelly, really solid player, really solid. But there's a limit, I believe, on how good you can be as a team when a, Taylor Kelly's your quarterback. You can be pretty good. Can you be national championship good? I don't think so. Not anymore. Old, you know, 20 years ago, yeah, you could win a national title with Craig Krenzel. But football's changed. You, you need to have a big time quarterback and I think we've got one and 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 you know and that that also gives us a feel of like hey this could be something special because I think we've got a quarterback who can go point for point with anybody if we have to yeah I and look at Alabama Alabama is a great example of that and Saban initially had all that success with game managing play defense run the ball and now it's Hurts and Tua and Mac Jones is lighting it up and they got Bryce Young in the wings and he's realized like the game has changed. You got to be able to do that. And I, you know, I like that we have a quarterback. I think that can measure up to just about anybody. Yeah. I'm very impressed, you know, cause, cause he's also balanced it. He, <laughs> he's been, he inherited and, and hung with the offensive coordinator yeah, and then after last season, decided the kid's too good. You're not yeah. up to snuff. 
we got to go. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And he brought in a really good defensive coordinator in Dan Gonzalez, so good that he got a head coaching job. Right, right, right. And, but he had guys in place. Give you know, It gave Pierce a way to step up. It created Agreed. a spot for Marvin Lewis, who... T- in the in the world, I don't know the difference between an analyst and a coach anymore because <laughs> I don't really either. I know. <laughs> I don't think it, it looks like he one. was on the field, and it's like, oh, uh-huh. well, he can't talk to players. It looks right. like he's talking to players. He's well, talking he... to players. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the you know they play fast and loose with those rules. Um, but you know, hey, uh, uh, you know, I just mentioned Alabama. Alabama is the, the master of that. They hire you know, I mean, it's Nick Saban's home for fired head coaches, and he gets these guys in, and they're analysts. And you've got guys who, you know, at one point were seven-figure head coaches that are making, you know, decent money. And like, yeah, they're, they're doing more than just sitting in a room watching the computer, you know, and, and breaking down film. But it works. And, you know, it works for them. And, hey, we got to jump on the train, I guess. Yeah, look, I guess if you're if everyone's willing to accept it and we're all going to ignore the yeah. rule, then no yeah. problem. And I think that's basically it. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I agree. I mean, I've, I've been... I've been happy with Herb, and that's, I mean, quite honestly, it's one of the biggest reasons that I'm happy we get to have this season is I felt like this could be a big year for us. I felt that way in January before we had any idea that, you know, the season would take the form it did. Um, And, you know, when the season was postponed slash canceled, it was a gut punch because it felt like, man, this, this could be a special group, and now we don't get to see them, and some of them won't be back. Um, so I'm, you know, as, as an ASU fan, that's one of the biggest reasons I'm excited for this. I, you know, I feel like we got a chance to do something pretty good. Yeah. Agreed. So, uh, rivalry game in the history of our friendship, neither of us has ever picked us to lose the rivalry game. So still not going to, we're both going with the undefeated season. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that concerns me a little, like Mm -hmm. I said, but, but, uh, well, we were so right on our NFL picks. I don't know why you're concerned. I know, yeah, yeah. Hopefully this is more Dodgers-Rays than Dallas-Dak Prescott as MVP for me, um, which, you know, Greg Powell, if you're if you're listening, sorry. I, I didn't mean to jinx Dak Prescott like that and then have his, you know, leg fall off or whatever. That uh, I told you my MVP pick was a jinx, and this no exception this year. Yeah. I, I guess uh, Phil Rivers probably isn't going to get that title. Probably that, not. That elusive next, year, next year, I'm just going to pick Kyler Murray and win MVP, and then hopefully something terrible will happen to the Cardinals and he'll have a horrible year. Yeah, I think that's just, a just very count good on that for next August. I'll just say it. So, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, before we talked, I, I thought, you know, am I am I stupid for going six to zero? I mean, you, you say that and you think like, gosh. Uh, but the bottom line is, I look at the schedule, and I just don't see a game that we can't win. I mean, That's I see plenty of games at. we could lose. Yeah. Certainly, we could lose. We could lose to USC. Yes, we could lose to Cal. Yes, we could lose to Utah. Yes, but there's no game on there that I feel like. Well, we're overmatched in that one. I just don't think that way. Yeah, I how it came down for me was, I I believe we can beat USC at USC in Week mm-hmm. One, and mm-hmm. and from there, there is no harder game to me. Agreed. And, Agreed. and we only play one more road game after week three, and that's right. going to Arizona. So the right. fact that we right. play, you know, four and five at home yeah. is a Which big is not going to be your traditional Arizona game where, you know, the, the students are there. And, and I mean, not that, 
not that Arizona be, Stadium is but there the won't toughest be the place, vitriol. But, but yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, it's a tough place to go for a rivalry game. It is, and then the same here. You know, there's there's nastiness and there's fights in the stands. When you don't have that, it's like okay, I mean, the, the better team should win, and and that I guess is where I come down on this. Is I look at Colorado and I look at Arizona and I look at USC, our three road games, and I I think we're better than those three teams, mm-hmm. and so I think we can win those. Now, when when there's crowd and there's noise and all of that, you factor in and you think, eh, are we up to that? But when you take those elements out, why not? Yeah. So, so that obviously puts us in the Pac-12 championship game. Who do you have winning the North? Uh, I, I think it's going to be Oregon. You go in Oregon, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I'd like to pick somebody else, uh, if only because I I think Oregon is somewhat vulnerable. They had some guys opt out, and and some I think a couple came back, but not all. I don't think I don't think Panay Sewell came back. Right? I think I would have heard right. that big tackle uh they do lose herbert who side point playing maybe great. we underestimated justin herbert yeah he looks pretty good playing great yeah he really is now grant it's it's five games in his rookie year and we've seen this before so i don't want to put him in canton yet but like he looks pretty good to the point where i'm like man maybe he was better than we gave him credit for at oregon um but you know new quarterback uh but it, here's the thing it's hard to talk myself into stanford or cal because of what we talked about with the, you know practice limitations and all of that um i'm not on oregon state or washington state so i'd really only no, washington would you, be my only alternative i was going to say it's you dub yeah and, yeah and i don't see enough from them to think you know new coach new quarterback i mean you know some of the same concerns so i'm probably going to go oregon by default i guess yeah well and part of it with oregon is they have incredibly talented underclassmen they do. They um, do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's they're Look, they're good. They're a good. team. They're, yeah. I mean, it should be a pretty good team. I'm curious who their quarterback's going to be. I haven't I haven't heard if it's going to if they're going, you know, with uh, Anthony Brown, the, the BC kid or the, mm-hmm. or the kid who was the backup last year. Um, but, you know, you'd think they'd be pretty good. So, OK, we've got to play in Oregon. What's your what's your outcome of that game? I mean, I'm going to pick us to win. Me too. Because why not? Me too. Look, I'm insane. In for a penny, right. in for a pound. We've made That's it right. this far. That's right. So, okay, then then we've got to answer the question, is that good enough to get in the college football playoff? Yeah, I think so. I hope so. I don't think it is. I don't I, think it would I'd be. I'd like I it to, to be. It. I mean, oh, I'd love it to be, but I don't think it would be. Uh, you know, because here's the thing. We're coming from a little off the radar. We're not starting in the top 25. We're not USC. I know USC is not in the top 25 either, but they, you know, yeah, they could have more name brand. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I just, you know, I mean, obviously there's still some unknowns, and you know, but you look at what Clemson's doing. You look at what Alabama's doing. You look at Ohio State, the way they started, and their schedule doesn't look all that tough. Um, and if that's three, and I'm not handing any of those, you know, but they, let's say that's three. Then you're competing with Georgia slash Florida, Notre Dame, um, maybe Michigan, you know, maybe Wisconsin, depending on what their season ends up being, uh, that all have more games than you. And that's yeah. it's a hard one to overcome, especially if you're competing with, let's say, Notre Dame or Georgia, who've played five or six more games than you did. That's that's a difficult hill to climb. And it should be. I mean, quite honestly, it should be. Yeah. If, if Georgia goes 11-1, and one, or I guess they're not playing. They're playing ten games plus the. Let's say they go 
let's say they go nine and two. They get to the mm-hmm. SEC title game. They lose that too. They win everything else. That probably should get them in ahead of ASU or any Pac-12 team that goes seven and zero. Yeah, maybe. It, it, I don't this know. Is, this goes back to the the idea of style points. And it does. It does. And, and if the, you're and that's where, unbeaten like, well, and blowouts or yeah, blowouts, yes. But I'm I, I'm not confident of that. And that's what I was going to say. Like, do I think we can go seven and zero? Yes. Do I think in those seven games, if we do go seven and zero, that there's going to be three or four that are nail biting, mashed teeth winning in the Yeah, I don't think this team is that overwhelming that we're going to just steamroll everybody, which I think is what you need to do. Yeah, and that's the problem. I mean, I, you know, I think, yeah, if a Pac-12 team goes seven and zero and they win every game by an average of you know thirty points, they'll probably get in. But if they go seven and zero and they have two or three close calls, you know, get a defensive stop at the end to win, that's probably not enough. And I, and I can't really, like, we'll see how the teams play out and all that, but in the abstract, I can't say that's wrong. I don't think it is. Yeah. I, I think he, look, I think that the Sun Devils this year are going to be unbeaten. I think they're going to win convincingly enough. The other thing going in their favor they're playing later. They're, they're going to be the last True. thing you see. People are going to be watching the Pac-12 title game this year for the first time. Yeah, ever. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, uh, the attendance will be about the same as it was the last few years with nobody there. Um, but, uh, yeah, 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 I mean, I, 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 look, I'd love for that to be the case. Obviously, if we, if we do go 7-0, there's a very good chance that by you know December 19th, whatever day that is, that I'll be making it, I'll be singing a different tune, but you know, I just, I don't know. Realistically, I don't think it would be enough. I, I'd see us ending up heading to the Fiesta Bowl probably and playing, maybe getting that BYU matchup we were supposed to have to start with. Nine and zero national champs. Really? Her, Are you going that in? I her, think you're being sort of sarcastic. Herm retires. <laughs> we build the statue, put it right next to the Kush statue, except bigger because Herm won it all. Right. Oh well, you have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt. But uh, do you, I? I. I mean. No, I, I like, think. I think realistically, if we play Alabama or one of those teams, we'd we get be in lost a lot of off trouble. the field. Yeah, I, I think so too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we're good enough to win every game on this schedule because I look at the Pac-12 and I, I just you know I don't think it's that good of a conference this year. Um, and, and, you know, again, with the four California schools being so limited and all that, you know, I get feel like, boy, if you put us out there against, let's say we got a chance to play Alabama or Ohio State, I think it would be a complete butt-kicking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just a complete demolition. Yeah, I, I, I think that's <laughs> entirely possible. I, I'd love Which to see Which is why it. I don't think a Pac-12 team is going to get in the playoff, because I think that the the committee is going to think the same thing. Like, uh, do we want, let's, let's say we get Alabama and ASU and Alabama's up 35, nothing at the end of the first quarter. Probably not. Here's my view. Why my nine and O projection is inflated, but not insane. Okay. It's a weird year. You have no idea what those teams are going to look like come mid No, you December. don't. You don't. I mean, that's true. That's true. Um, you know, and, and obviously, yeah, if something unusual happens. But, you know, I mean, hey, we're, we're halfway home in the SEC and the ACC, which is another odd thing. We're doing our season preview of ASU and 
you know, Clemson's got five games left to play and then they're done. Uh, like, wow. Okay. Um, but you know, I, I, I've seen enough from those teams and I know Ohio state, we haven't seen much, but you look at Alabama and Clemson and it's like, yeah, they're playing a different game and Notre Dame's playing pretty well too. Like, you know, they're five and oh, they got their big showdown with Clemson in two weeks. Um, you know, those, those teams have enough on the resume already that you think these are pretty good teams. Georgia, same thing. Florida, same thing. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, 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 mean, hey, I want to be, look, let's be in a position where it could happen, I guess. Yeah. Oh, agree. Agree. Yeah. Force, force the issue. I'll say we go to the Fiesta Bowl. We beat BYU and we finish eight. No. And we have to forever wonder if we'd only gotten a full season would have been good enough. Split title. Let the, yeah, maybe. Let the maybe. AP vote for us. Maybe one of the small polls will, you know, the, the you know, one of the 17 different people that award a champion will vote for us and we can claim it as a national championship. Listen, I'm going to get the shirt like UCF got. If we, oh, if we I would finish too. this season without losing, <laughs> we, champions. Especially if the winner has a loss. Yeah. If the, you know, if Alabama or Clemson, Ohio State, whatever, if they have a loss in the regular season and they win the title, yeah, yeah, I would too. So, we will preview that USC game that is the key. Yes, we will. The linchpin to all of our predictions. Yes, we will. Week. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.